Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I wanted to start off reflecting back when I was just a kid. That's way back. Last century, right? I had the privilege of befriending a classmate of the Portuguese persuasion. His parents were actually born there in Portugal, and I never did uh, understand anything they tried saying to me. But nevertheless, I still always opted to play at his house and not my house because my friend's Portuguese mother made the best bread ever. I called it Portuguese bread, and it seemed that she made it on a daily basis. And I think you know the kind of bread I'm talking about here. It was made completely from scratch, by hand, from a family recipe, passed down from the old country, and we would always get it fresh baked from the oven, hot with melted butter. I thought I died and went to heaven. Bread from heaven. That's what we're talking about tonight. You know, it doesn't matter what country or what century you are talking about, bread today is as important as it was throughout all history. To have bread is to be rich. To not have bread, poor. Daily bread is what we pray for. Our Lord himself taught us to pray that way, didn't he? And bread, not surprisingly, is included in one of God's promised treasures. And it's tonight's featured treasure in our Lenten series by the same name, Promised Treasures. So let's go back to our Old Testament reading. Before the Israelites left Egypt by God's guiding hand, they were told to make unleavened bread to take with them on their journey. It had no yeast. You didn't have to wait around for it to rise. And it had a a longer shelf life. It didn't spoil as easily. But it wouldn't be long before the bread itself would run out as tonight's Old Testament reading reminded us from Exodus 16. The people of Israel were wandering and wondering and, yes, grumbling, too, about how and where they could get their hands on more bread in the middle of the wilderness. What did the Lord do at this point? He told Moses that he would rain down bread from heaven. How cool is that, right? That's even more rare than snow coming down in Moorpark, which it can happen, right? But God kept his promise. He soon provided manna. What is it? It's a layer of thin flakes on the desert floor for the Israelites to collect every morning and feed it to their families. And thus, Wheaties cereal was born. (laughs) Or some people would would say frosted flakes because it kind of looked like that. We don't know exactly what it was. But the children of Israel were also told to collect only enough for the day and nothing more. However, some got greedy, or was it worrisome? And they collected more than their daily bread. Some of you remember what happened. And when they did, the began and began the uh, uh, manna began to smell and badly. The next thing you know, maggots. The very next day, nothing can curb your appetite more than having a few maggots crawling around on your plate. Right? <laughs> Gross. On tonight's gospel reading, John 6, Jesus calls himself the bread of life. He reminded the people that it wasn't Moses who gave Israel bread every day. It was God. It's important to keep that straight. God sustained 
their lives day in and day out with the manna from heaven. Jesus reminded all who listened to him that it was God's loving hands that provided daily bread for the people. And it's only God who can give the bread that is eternal life. That's exactly what he did there. God provided eternal life through the bread of heaven who was standing and speaking right there in front of them. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This Jesus declared. Listen to this. Quote, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This, and I believe there Jesus was pointing to himself, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, unquote. The Bible doesn't only equate loaves of bread with sustaining physical life, but beyond that, Scripture equates Jesus Christ with man's only source of spiritual life. That's why St. Paul said that Israel was being led by Christ, even way back then in the Old Testament. St. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, Our fathers all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. The ultimate source for all the manna the Israelites ate and all the water they drank was the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus still leads and sustains his church, you and me, today, until your life ends and you enter into heaven. Jesus continues caring for you and feeding you the bread of his holy word, the bread of his holy sacrament. Thus he nourishes our faith and strengthens it so that our faith may endure life's long journey. When he was sent out into the desert uh, to be tempted, Jesus quoted Moses to the devil. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, from Deuteronomy 8. The early church father, St. Augustine, some of you might be familiar with him, he compared teaching the Bible to breaking open a loaf of bread with which God feeds his people. And God brings this bread to you in the form of scripture readings, a sermon, maybe a stirring hymn, and through simple devotions. It's all bread for your soul as long as it points to and leads you to the true bread of life, Jesus Christ. So we've talked about Moses and unleavened bread. We've talked about Jesus himself as the bread of life. Jesus also uses the bread of his holy sacrament to feed and sustain the whole Christian church on earth until he comes again. So it's just a few verses after St. Paul talks about that manna in the wilderness, he then smoothly segues into addressing the Lord's Supper because one relates to the other. Here's Paul. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Right there to the Corinthians in chapter 10. Isn't that truly remarkable and wonderful? 
The bread you eat from the Lord's table on every divine service is no ordinary sandwich bread, is it? Though you could call it the true wonder bread, I suppose. But that's not on account of the bread itself. Rather, it's on account of Christ's word spoken over the bread. Jesus promises to place this treasure, his very body that was sacrificed on Calvary, into your body via your gullet, to put it frankly. To partake of this bread is to take Jesus Christ's true body into yourself, according to his own word. That way there is no question about having received him who is your Savior and Lord. You know, a lot of Christians struggle with just that exact doubt, that thought. Did I really receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior? And the devil is right there to tempt you away from your faith to get you to stop believing that. But the Lord's promise and his holy sacrament speaks loud and clear. Yes, this is my body, this is my blood, and it is for you. Even you, the one swallowing the bread, the one tasting the wine, sacramentally attached to those elements are my body and my blood. So eat up, drink up, and doubt no more. Like the Israelites of old, we too plod along on our own journey through the wilderness of this life. We live and work in a sinful world by the sweat of our brow under the heat of sin and death that bear down on us each long day. Just as the desert heat beat down on those wayfaring Israelites for lo, those 40 years. We await a promised land, not Canaan, but a better country that is a heavenly one, the author of Hebrews speaks of. No matter how crazy or how maddening life may get in this wilderness, you are not left wondering, where can I find help? True help is found wherever Christ breaks open his word and wherever he sets his table up to refresh you with real soul food at his altar. We do well to accept his offer and to come often to be fed in the very way he prescribes to feed us through his ordained word, his ordained sacraments. That's where the promise is found, the promised treasure. This Lenten season, I pray then that your daily bread, that you eat it in your own home, at your own table, might serve to remind you of God's rich provision and steadfast love for you in the living bread that came down from heaven, Jesus Christ. Even as you fill your stomach, may your hearts also be filled with gratitude for the one who gave up his body for you on the cross. Then as you also come to the Lord's table this Lenten season at church, may your coming together remind you as well of the blessed unity of the body of Christ. Just as numerous grains of wheat grow and are ground up to make one loaf of bread, so we, though many, make one people of God wherever we may come from, be that Jerusalem or Portugal or right here in California. We are all forgiven through the same crucified Christ and we have all been raised with the same Lord of life in his resurrection from the dead. Thank God for your daily bread that's here today and gone tomorrow and may you long for always the living bread, Jesus Christ, who is 
forever and ever. Amen. And uh, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Lenten Sermon from Faith Lutheran Church in Moorpark, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.